what is going on? Yo, yo, yo. Back for another edition of The Drunkest on Broad. I am your host, Rich Conroy, joined alongside my co-host, Don Juan. You got it. Big Nick Nasty. The daddy. Taking daddy hacks over there. And then, of course, the producer with the mostest, Oscar, a.k.a. ASAP Oski. What is going on, fellas? How are we feeling tonight? This is what we're going to do. We're going to go around the table. Nick, I'll start with you. I'm going to pop up this little uh, this little stats that I have from RotoChamp. They're just little things for um, basically their predictions of what they have for our starting lineup and our pitching staff. We'll go over this. I want to go over this a little bit in depth because, to me, I think there's a few holes with this lineup, uh, specifically to the uh, specifically yeah, specifically uh, specifically in the bottom. And I'm not too sold on our rotation, but Nola yesterday going against that Yankees order, dude, he was dominant. Dealing, I mean, he like that that you know he goes six innings, you know, and, and just looks dominant. Looks like the guy that you want to have at the top of your rotation. Um, and, and you know, I won't lie, I had doubts um, whether he could be that guy. And listen, take it for what it is. It is spring training, but. The Yankees had everybody there. They didn't leave anybody. They didn't leave anybody at home. So, um, you know, to have nine strikeouts, to only give up one hit, super impressed. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the positives with Nola is you know what you're going to get, right? That's the one. He's kind of the one player on the team where you're like, okay, I'm going to get, if he starts, say he starts 25 games, I'm going to get 22, 23 quality starts. Probably it could be even higher than that, but a quality start, you know, we kind of me and Rich talked about this before. What they qualify as a quality start is really not really that quality, in my opinion. But um, you know that when he comes in, you got a chance to beat anybody on any given night. That's that's what you look for. Um, I think the rotation issues, I agree with you, Rich, because even though Wheeler is solid, his velocity is down about three miles an hour this year compared to last year. So right now it's not that's not good. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because of conditioning. Hopefully, there's nothing wrong. But for a guy who throws high nineties, he needs those three miles. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good pitcher. He's not just a thrower. Like he knows how to pitch. Um, but you see, like guys that don't adjust right when they, you know, if they don't adjust and change the way that they throw to it to a different style and maybe rely more on movement and spotting pitches inside out, pitching off a changeup and a curve instead of the fastball. I mean, if you don't do that, you don't really last. The concern is that we just paid him a lot of money and we're relying on him because, you know, you're going into this year, you look at the lineup, you're like, okay, the rest of this, the Braves have four or five quality pitchers. The Nationals got three, yeah. um, possibly four. The Mets, you know what they have in their rotation. Even the Marlins, you know, they got six, though, and they got a couple of quality guys. Alcantara's quality, Lopez's quality. So based on just the rotation, we probably are the – I don't know if we're the weakest, right, because we probably have – Probably the Marlins, I would say, are the weakest, yeah. but um, our top two are good. Do I like do Matt I like Moore? My, oh, Matt Moore's their projected four? No, so this is the thing. Matt Moore, he went over to Japan last year. He pitched really well, actually. Yeah. Reinvented how he pitched because he used to rely on that 97-mile-an-hour left-handed heater. Yeah. Kind of doesn't throw that hard anymore, but he reinvented himself. He pitched really well in Japan. He was like a stud, so he came back. They signed them cheap. It's a low risk, high reward, right? It doesn't I mean, on opening day. Your boys, all three what's, of us. What's going on? Day. It's a good day. We're cracking beers. It's a, it's a very good day. 
I can't, dude. What a game! What a game we had. Absolutely. Great way to, what a like what an insane way to start the season. Like what a great way to have that play for uh, <laughs> in in extra innings where. That to me is the reason why you pay JT that yeah. play right there. Yes, yeah. Nick, I know you're. I know you're dying to weigh in with your with your catcherness, with your catcherness. So I mean, hey, hey, I blocked I will, that in slow pitch softball. I, I will. I will give Quinn credit because even though he doesn't have a great arm, the the most important thing when you have a catcher like JT back there, you just got to give him a chance at the play. Right. So he came in, he got it out quick. He put it on the, on the plate. Now I watched it on replay in slow motion. JT had perfect, you know, they changed the rules, right? You can't just go and just, just destroy a guy going in the home plate. Right. right? Which is smart. It's smart. Right. There's still enough contact there. He had his foot blocking the plate, which is what you do. You put on the front corner. So the guy has to go, go wider, which is a harder slide. You're covering more, more plate. And then the ball takes you into the path. And what you do is exactly what he did. You, you sell it, but you also exaggerate it and you get away with it because of the rules where the ball can bring you into the path. So you get low and you get wide and you basically say, you got to literally go through me to get to the plate. And Ozzy Albies is not going through that man. No. Bro, bro, that throw though, Roman Quinn put all 165 <laughs> pounds on him from 210 feet away. He put it on the, he he put it on the, on the go. Yeah. I was uh, – I was in there. My dad was over. He was uh, in the kitchen. Ollie was behind me. And they're like, oh, it's a shallow fly ball to center. Roman Quinn's under it. Ozzy Albies is tagging. He comes up and throws. I'm like, yeah! Ollie's like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but no, it's good. And Jamie's like, show him. Show him what he did. Show him what he did. I'm like, all right, come here, bud. Put him in my lap. And I'm like, all right, watch this. But now watch JT. Watch. He's standing in front of the plate. Yep. And he catches the ball, blocks the plate. Boom. Got him. I'm like, Perfect play. Because, like, as you both said, you can't block the plate anymore. So he no. was perfect. It was perfect position for him to catch the ball and JT just to drop to the leg and make the tag. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so good. Do guys want to play? You have all these guys who come out in the draft every single year for the NFL. This guy's a stud. This guy, he's got the intangibles, man. He's 6'5, 240 pounds, runs a 4'3, throws the ball 90 right. yards, but he doesn't want to play football. When you're a scout, you got to look at it sometimes of some of the psycho crazy guys. Like, hey, this dude wants to play football. I would probably take the guy who wants to play over the guy who is like, eh, I'm good. I'm the best player in the SEC, but do I really want to play football? So this is a segment to our next thing. Go ahead, Don. No, I mean, that's almost more important to find out because – Every guy that's coming into the NFL draft has the physical ability. They wouldn't be in that position if yeah. they if they weren't physically capable of handling themselves at that level. But I think like when they talk about going to you know, the pro days and doing the interviews and doing all that shit, I think that's more important to find out. Like, where is this guy's heart? What where does he think about like when he's on the field? Where's his mind? Like, where is he thinking? Is he thinking about the next play? Is he thinking about what I'm going to do later? Is he thinking about, like, that to me is more important for you to find out in this whole draft process or free agent process or whenever you're in the position to acquire players, finding out where their heart is and where their desire is 
that tells you more than, than you need to know. Um, I was listening to an interview with um, Chris Jenkins from Golnova. Okay. okay. And just to talk about that desire piece real quick. So like You're they good. were, the, uh, when they were interviewing them, they're asking them about, you know, Villanova and were, were there times where you were, uh, they, they were talking about the game going into the Baylor game and like, are you worried about the Baylor game? Are you worried about the, and he said, I, I'm not, I'm not, they, they got to beat us. Like, I'm not worried about them. They got to beat us. So like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's a guy I want on my squad. I want a guy like that. Who's thinking like that, that says like, I don't, I don't, I don't care who, like, I don't care if Baylor's only lost one game all year. Uh, like I, I'm a Villanova. Like you got to play me. You got to beat me. Yeah, I'm good too. Um, I'm good too. We're good. Exactly. We're, we're, we're all good. And and I think, you know, that mindset, you know, that that to me is something you got to find out because if you don't, you're going to end up with dudes like Danny Watkins and Sean Andrews and you know, Andre that, Dillard. That, that, Andre Dillard. That I mean, that list. It's it's a big list. And that that list is unfortunate. Back to the Phillies. Like you said last night, DeGrom was mowing him down. But let's talk. Let's piggyback. So I saw Chip was doing his addition. And, Don, you were on the you were on there. So shout out to Chip for this. I was commenting on it. A little bit. He had the whole Aaron Nola, is he an ace thing? And, you know, that's, that's a perfect conversation to have. Because what I define as an ace for this squad is a uh, – that ball is way gone. Uh, that's that sucks. Yep. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Well, Chase Anderson, you knew was going to give one up eventually. Right. So what he was saying was, is it Aaron Nola a true ace? In my eyes, what I look at as from an ace is a guy that is respected in the locker room, a guy that can hold his own, has dominating stuff, but has location and knows how to pitch. Zach Wheeler is a perfect 1B to Nola's 1A. I do believe Nola is the ace of the staff. It's not that the fact that he throws 100 miles an hour or this happens. It's you look at how Aaron Nola pitches, how methodical he is, his delivery, and you see that he doesn't let up the occasional home run. His bad starts are like three earned runs. Zach right. and his control is pretty much always there. I love Nola being an ace because he sets the tone for the rest of the staff. Right. I think Zach Wheeler would be an ace on another on another staff. Eflin, if his stuff keeps up, he'll be ace on another staff. But Nola is our ace simply for the fact that he sets the tone. Nola pitches well, everybody pitches well because that's a guy you want to emulate. That's a guy that you look up to and you're like, damn, Aaron Nola's been the longest tenured pitcher on this roster, started four opening days. This is the guy that I want to go to. That's all he is. He's a Howie puppet. I don't even want to get into it. It was – Oh, I don't like when guys run banana routes because they go this way, then they tell right. I want Chris Routes. Well, you're not getting Chris Routes from the Eagles wide receivers. So right. Sirianni, get over it, Cuzzo. Because that's yeah. it. So so, re- so real quick on the 12th pick, uh, I, I'm good with like a bunch of like if there's a, a like a, a Smith, a Waddle, a Parsons, uh a Farley. Uh Farley, maybe not now that he's just had back surgery, but yeah, he's he's like, slipping. Like, All right. oh, I would love if Parsons was a guy who fell, and they were to pick him in the middle of the defense. I could get, I could get behind that real fast. 
I'm with you. I like yeah. I like I like Michael Parsons. So I'm with you, Oscar. So, take us into your take us into your segment. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to hear I want to hear some Oscar stuff. I want to hear what Oscar's got. Are you talking about what I posted? No, I'm talking about just a fucking Oscar. Jesus Christ! Do you not listen to the pre the pre meetings? No, no. Oh, this is now. I'm gonna have to edit this video. All right, guys. It was great having you. See you later. I'm just kidding. This is Oscar's segment, and it's called Ask Oscar, Ooh, wow. where Oscar asks us something that he wants to know. Oh, it's actually or Oscar asks. I'm sorry. Oscar asks. Um, first thing, what's your what's your actual honest predictions for the Phillies? You guys seem really really high on them right now. It's are they a wild card? Or are they winning the NL? Nah, I think they're going to win the NL. It's surprising, but I think they're going to win the NL. That's to me. The only reason I think they're going to win the NL is their bullpen has looked very good. First game wasn't too – wasn't ending I wanted. Yeah. Agreed. Completely agreed. Oh, man. Don? On the overall, there was a ton (laughs) of stuff that happened that annoyed the crap out of me. And um, there's just some stuff like stuff that's just old that's in sports and online and just stuff that I'm just like tired of hearing because it's just old content. Um, And, you know, later on, we'll uh, we'll we'll be able to share some uh, some good, exciting news. But we have to talk our Philadelphia 76ers. Our boys are rolling. It looks like Joel Embiid is just the most dominant, the most dominant player to ever wear a Sixers uniform. No disrespect to AI. No disrespect to our man Moses Malone. No disrespect to Wilt. But Jesus God, Joel Embiid is a monster. I love everything about it. But I'm worried. Will we ever see the man that they call George Hill? You know, for like I, I love his his game. They were, I, I was watching somebody had some highlights where they were showing side by side. I'm from Delco now. You got a bogey? I got a Newport. I got a Newport and some hurricane. I'm from, De- I'm from Delco. Chester County. Let's go. Delaware County. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Don. I, was, I looked ridiculous I with the hat on. I just had to do I that. I'm like, I look like um, I'm from Del- I totally look like I'm from Delco, though. Like, I have the, oh the, the sweatshirt up. If I have my yeah. hood up and this on, I would probably look like I'm going to go, like, down to the Sev and get some Lucy's. It would have been so dope. We got to get you a Father Part. Judge sweatshirt. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, but but for me, like, and the, the stuff that Embiid is able to do, the way that he's able to emulate – other perform like, like guys before him, that to me shows me like, his ability to take guys off the dribble. There's a couple plays a couple weeks ago where like he's breaking down a guy and then fades away baseline, gets fouled and one. I just I love his enthusiasm. He to me is a guy that was made for this city because his he plays into it ever when we're watching the games, even when there was nobody in there and he's still playing to the fans. He's just super fun to watch. And he, yes. I don't remember having that much fun watching anybody since I watched AI. Yeah. 
have any fears with anybody. I think no, that like I said, they have to beat us. Um, I trust our coaching staff to put us in the right situation. I think that the only way we'll lose is if we beat ourselves because either A, somebody – I'm not going to even say the word H-U-R-T or, um, you know, we play down to a competition's level or, we, you know, some boneheadedness. But, you know, you're going to shorten the bench. The bench is – it's going to be a starting five, and then you're going to have Thibel basically, George Hill. Shake's going to play because Shake can get – he can – you know, he can catch lightning in a bottle and score 30. He can do yeah. that. Um, I saw a chip with the, with the cork Maz. The issue with cork Maz is you'd have to do it when they do like the college at the end of the game where they do offense, defense, trade-offs because he can't play D. No, no. his defense is terrible. So it's he, like he can't, can't ball handle. So maybe late, maybe late in the game if you're down by a couple and you need and you need shooters and you got to go with the, the, um, the all-perimeter offense. I get that. Um, but, you know, and you can kind of – if you're like a like, – like Don said, the pterodactyl D. If you have Cork Miles on the court with Tybal and, uh, you know, Tobias and Ben and then Joe, like, okay, they can mask him because all those guys play elite one-on-one right. defense and also yeah. they'll collapse. Now, um, I think Doc's smart enough to know that in certain situations against the Nets, dude, I mean, you can play one-on-one, but there should be times where they literally do like a, you know, they do like a zone where they put – Ben and Tybal up top and just say, okay, you take Harden, you take Durant, let Kyrie go one-on-one against Shake or something like that and have him try and score 100 points because that's how that's one way they're yeah. going to beat him. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to get in the lane because Joe's going to pin your stuff. Um, I think Ben's attitude's the right way, like what it seems like now, but I want him to just be balls to the wall, attack the rim, attack the rim. Nobody can stop him getting to the rim. The issue is he's still a sketchy free throw shooter, and I think in his mind – he knows that, and he feels that way. That's why he doesn't continue to attack. If he was an eighty percent free throw shooter plus, no problem. He would get to the, he would get to the he would get to the line twenty times a game. Easy. Today's show is a positive show because it is four twenty. It is a good day for all of us on this podcast. Why? Because we're here. We're here, and we're doing what we love, and we're talking Philly sports. Right. Drunk on positive vibes. Today, what all positivity, Don. We are going to talk about the things that make us excited for the upcoming seasons or this season. Don put together some great transitions and great graphics for you guys. I'm super excited to show you. It's going to be a beautiful day. Don, thank you for all the hard work. Oscar, thank you for not doing anything. And Nick, (laughs) I love your bucket hat. (laughs) We're all bringing something to the table. Yeah, Oscar just decides to show up with an empty cup, and he's just dipping it in our gravy. That's all he's that's, doing. Right I mean, now. that's the best part, like that. <laughs> Gentlemen, How about that. <laughs> to a great episode. Cheers. 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 I'm trying to do my best, uh, as Rich would say. Who do I look like? My best schoolboy cue for you. I love it, dude. Schoolboy's my schoolboy's my dude. So I will take nice. it. I'm pretty good. A lot better. Um, no super league, so I'm happy. You know. You know, it shows that fans could actually make a change. And, like, it's crazy because all these millionaire owners thought they were invincible. They were just like, what? They're going to they're gonna be mad about it, but what are they going to do? They're not owners. And then guess what happened? They, they, they backtracked so fast. It was not even funny. Good. Chris, thank you. You know, uh, you know the all, all the positive vibes that we've been getting through, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks of, you know, getting phone calls from people from, you know, channel three and being on the news and all this stuff. It's just that kind of stuff was kind of overwhelming um, in a sense, but it was, uh, you know, again, 
great, great positive vibes. And then I had the kids, uh, we had kids back in the building, uh, live and direct from Markley street. So we were, uh, we, we were, you know, half the kids are at home, half the kids are at school. So, you know, them coming in and, you know, wanting to take pictures with the check and touch the check. And it was, it was pretty cool. You know, the kids are, are, are and, and like, how often do you get, as a kid, do you get the chance to, you know, pose with a, a, big, check. a, a, a big giant $10,000 check? So like, they're like taking selfies with it and stuff. It's great though. You know what it reminded yeah. me of? It reminded me of semi-pro. One Jackie Moon <laughs> gives uh who was it the the dude the drunken dude who makes the half court shot the giant check he's, he's like I tried to take it to my bank man and I couldn't cash he's like no you have to take it to a giant check bank <laughs> a giant check bank oh man That's let's awesome. just keep positive vibes going let's just keep it rolling what's on your mind Oscar um it was been a wild seventy two hours uh, definitely as a fan. As a fan standpoint, you always kind of think like the owners are just there to, you know, fuck you over. And we've basically found that out front and clear. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about the accessibility of games. And but what are you talking about? Yeah, you got You got to back it up. Yeah, you got to back it up because you have, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. But kind of going into it. Um, what sport is this? This, this is soccer, football for um, Europeans. Um, essentially, the top 12 clubs in the world, um, billions of dollars worth of just just assets and just what they're worth, decided, hey, you know what? We're going to create our own league, our own Champions League, our own, like, our own league where you can't tell us how to play and how the rules are going to be set. We're going to make it our own. Okay. They thought the whole idea was we're going to have all these superstars playing against each other weekend after week. And the consumers are going to love that, you know, but they kind of forgot about the little guy. They're screwing over like the real fans, like the, the ones that go to like, let's say, watch a Cleveland Browns, even though they were trash for the past 15 years. <laughs> like, like there's that's the teams that they ended up screwing up. And it was literally saying, like, you either join us or, you know, you're, you're not going to exist anymore. And the fans kind of had enough. And um, a lot of people definitely explained it very, very well, but it's the best way of saying it is in, in, in England and in abroad, a lot of teams don't have safety in the league. So like, let's say, example, the Jets, they could be relegated to the lower league. What's the lower league? For the sake of comparison, it's the NCAA. Oh, wow. So First team gets delegated every year. Yeah. So that's basically holding as you earn your spot in the top of the league, you don't just stay there because you're a millionaire and you could afford these wages and you're just staying there because you have the safety net. So, so essentially that's why it's such an exciting competitive league is because if you suck, you're not going to be making money. You're not going to be in the top league. You're going to go lower and there's five different leagues. So it's like basically considering all the way down to high school, like imagine being in the top of the league for, 2015 and then 2020, you're five leagues below high school level, essentially. That's like what makes it really. That's that's what makes the sports over there so much more interesting and much more entertaining, especially when you have like those little guys beating the big guys, Um, which is also part of the beauty of it. 
a lot of people think like Manchester United and like Real Madrid and Barcelona roll through these teams. We don't. We actually have a hard time against these poorer teams. Why? Because they play with more passion. They have a chip on their shoulder. And that's what brings excitement to the game. And there was clubs that literally said, we don't want to lose to the little guys anymore. They're embarrassing us. And we have billions of dollars. So you know what we're going to do? We're just not going to invite them to this league. And we're going to lose to the big guys now. It's going to look better on us. Man, <laughs> my head will literally explode. <laughs> like, oh, defensive lineman picked 12? Yeah. Are you telling uh, me you don't want Quiddy, you don't want Quiddy pay? No, that's no, I sent that I sent that to you guys earlier. We talked about yeah, it. The new no. rumor is that they love no. Quiddy Pay from Michigan. They view him no. as brand, another Brandon Graham. Okay, we already have Brandon Graham. We want something. Yeah, I don't need the Brandon Graham to point out. He's on the roster still. We need yeah. a, we need better than better than Brandon Graham. Brandon exactly. Graham Brandon Graham didn't end up panning out to really start paying dividends. <laughs> You know, for uh, for the five years later, five you know five years into his, I mean that was all he was already on a second contract before he was actually starting to contribute. So yeah. I don't need a, the next Brandon Graham. I need I need somebody better, a lot better. I need the um, next Jalen Ramsey. Seriously, there's a. I mean, there's a lot of talk about it. You know, I kind of try not to listen to it, but I listen to the sports radio and listen to what people just because I kind of trying to like to gauge what people are thinking. People like us, like just fans that like the team and Mm -hmm. what they're thinking. And it's kind of crazy that a majority of the people are like dead set on we need a wide receiver. I don't you know, we also we've all talked about that and we're on the opposite side of the end, which is, you know, you build on the defense and. They were talking to uh, one of the Philly guys today, and they were like, okay, but what about the notion that, you know, we got to go get Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn? Like, you know, then you get a legit outside corner to pair with Darius Slay, who's a little bit older now. We also don't have safeties, right? So you need two legit guys. Yeah. Because in our division, you have C.D. Lamb and Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, right? So it's like, who's covering all these guys? But they're like, yeah, but, you know, you have to score points, so you need to kind of worry about how you guys are going to score points. I'm like, it's not going to matter if we're down 31 to three at halftime. Right. To the yeah. What's Jalen Hurts going to do? Straight it up, good. You know, Dallas won Parsons. Clearly, we wanted the we wanted the receiver. Made sense for both. Um, I think the rest of the draft is kind of, which I'm sure we'll get into. I think overall, though, I'm very indifferent. Um, I don't think it was good. I don't necessarily think it was bad. I agree. I mean, I'm on the fence. Yeah, and, I'm in uh, neutral right now. Chris asked, what do you think of Devonta Smith? Thank you for uh, watching and the questions. So we're just going to get right into it. Uh, I'm going to take the lead on this one. I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm not. He wasn't the guy that I was targeting. I mean, everybody knows who I wanted, but he wasn't there. So um, I'm over it. Um, I'll take the guy who puts Hertz in a position to have a weapon. Um, probably the best route runner in the draft, in my opinion. I mean, I saw what he did last year, and he was an unstoppable force. So hopefully he continues that. Uh, the only bad thing is he'll be playing against some pretty decent corners, uh, yeah. especially on the Washington side. Uh, Washington just loaded up in this draft on defense. So did the Cowboys. They only got better. The Giants are just laughable. Um, I don't understand why they wanted Devonta Smith because it just makes me laugh. Like you're going to run four wide sets all day and you don't have an offensive line block blocking for Daniel Jones. But who am I? I? I don't know. I'm not a scout. So Devonta Smith, I give it an A. I mean, it's a, it was a layup. I would have, if I'm the Eagles, I probably would have traded with uh, the Bears and got the haul that I believe the Giants got f- for that. 
Like, I mean, that's a lot of picks that they gave up, especially for yeah. next year with another draft that is loaded. And we still could have did something at 20. So every position need that we wanted and that, well, every position need that we need and all the players that we wanted were there. My thing is you had Milt Williams there. That's cool. What's going on, brother? How are you? You had Milt Williams there, right? You take him. But Ronnie Perkins was there too. Yep. So if you want a guy who's a bona fide stud off the edge and a big boy, the dude's like 330 pounds and he, he moves like a linebacker. And he went to Oklahoma. It's a good school. Yeah, to, like, yeah. Why wouldn't you take him? What, why, why Milt, what was so impressive for Milt? How Williams? he's the smartest man in the room, Rich. We know okay. this. I know. We know. Yeah, like, that's definitely the problem, though. It's just that he has final say, doesn't he? Like, how crazy yeah. is that? Over everything. He pretty much does, yeah. Over the head scout. The head scout can recommend whatever he wants. Yeah. How he ultimately can override any decision. And then Jeffrey Lurie can override any decision. So okay, Jeffrey okay. Lurie says how he makes the pick. Got to do it how he says. It just makes zero yeah. sense when you yeah, look at Jim. the board and who was there. But before before I, I bring this man in, it is my duty to give him the introduction that he needs. Being the champ, not once, but twice. Two times. For your Philadelphia Flyers, the future goal MVT of the year, Mr. Don Conaway. <laughs> Yo! What's going on? The champ is in the building. Don, congratulations, my brother, dude. What an accomplishment. MVT. MVP, yeah. MVT. So it's tell us, crazy. man. It's been what's crazy. Been going on? Um, you know, I, I I have to laugh at how this whole thing played out. Like I um, so Saturday morning I wake up and I send out a bunch of a bunch of emails to you know to touch base with with people from the Flyers, people from Everfi, and and just kind of you know lay the groundwork to be able to keep in touch with them and. I get a I get an email back from the flyer saying, "Oh well, we're bringing back everybody. It's fan appreciation night. We're bringing back all the teachers that we you know that we honored throughout the year. We're bringing we're bringing back the first responders, essential workers, and you know, and we want we want you to be a part of it. Okay, sure, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, all right, I'll send you the tickets on Monday. Like very nondescript. And so my wife and I we go down, we get our stuff, we sit in the box, and nothing." Right. So I, I'm as the national anthem is playing, my wife turns to me and she goes, those two guys that are sitting in the box next to us, they're like, she's like, they, they were at your school. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Like something, something's about to go down. Um, and then, you know, knock on the door. It's Brad Marsh and it's a representative from the Flyers. And. You know, we're just kind of shooting the shit and just looking at um, start watching the game. And he goes, oh, well, he goes, why don't you go step step down on the uh, and, you know, down lower? He goes, so you can see the board. He goes, they're going to put all the teachers that came tonight. They're going to put them up on the on the screen. Ooh. And here I and I'm like, OK, all right. Let's uh, beat on the Jumbotron two, you know, two times in one week. I'm like, all right, I can get down with that. This is cool. And uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then they start they start with the announcement and then they put it up on the screen. And I look like, if you see one of the videos, I look and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I look at the little uh, banner and it says teacher of the year. And I'm like, 
whole like it and like and all of it kind of just hit all one all one fell swoop man it just it just kind of gave me this like really good euphoric feeling that like knowing that instantly my first thought was like this is going to be That's impactful so awesome, for so many kids um sure. and for kids, one, it's, kids. And, and listen and you know rich we were just talking about that that's the one thing that we've been talking about it's it's for the kids um and the one thing i have to tell you know anybody that's listening anybody that's going to see this you know hear this on a podcast um on spotify and apple subscribe subscribe like, review like great review um that you know the the this was not possible with anybody with any one person. This was a huge collective from friends and family and podcasts and mentions and likes and retweets and, you know, em emergency podcasts <laughs> to go, to go vote. Um, just, it, it, it was a huge collective from, you know, from so many people from school to, to the flyers, to SAP, to, just the the amount of people that reached out the the you know former students who are now grown with family and kids which is doubly surreal um yeah. to know that there's kids that I started teaching 14 years ago and now they're you know 25 and have family and kids and I'm like like talk about instant old um but <laughs> it just it just super cool just a, just a super cool experience um and I love that this opportunity, this gave us the opportunity to kind of shed light on the positive stuff that goes on in Norristown. Um, Hell yeah, man. And, and just the only thing I, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to put into words, but thank you. Everybody, everybody who's listening, everybody who liked, shared, did whatever to make it happen. Um, just know that that, that three seconds of your time is going to impact kids that might not even be born in yeah. our town. Yeah. So, for sure. so thank you. It was a beautiful thing. Everybody yeah. coming together. I got chip down there. Yay. Don chip. What's yeah. up? I mean, they did a lot of work too. You know, the all about yeah. the birds guys, chip put in work, retweeted everything, posted great I mean, banners. I'm retweeting his stuff. Cause I can't do all the, <laughs> all the banners and all the crazy shit that you guys do with the, the graphics. I'm not good like that. So I'm feeding off of these guys and taking chip stuff and, Everybody just helped out, you know. It was a great collective effort to get to get you home. But I mean, you did you did the legwork, Don. Like you you yeah, made this possible for these kids. You got nominated. You did what you could do, and right. you you did everything. And it was for the kids. Like we we said it for the kids. every single time. Like it's it started out like Don says a joke. Do it for the kids, but it really was like it was. It for really me. was. Yeah, absolutely. It really it, it really was. And you know, and and we'll always be. You know, for you know, and Chip and I, we we started teaching across the hall in the same year. So he and I have kind of been down this road together. Um, and we were, we were talking today. That was the, the genesis of the conversation was that this is just, it, it's, it always is and always will be. Um, and, and we've kind of used social media as the avenue to be able to start to change the narrative about what goes on in school and what, what we're doing and the types of great things that the kids do. And it just, it's, just been an incredible, incredible experience this, this last, you know, since the beginning of March, it's been 
a little bit of, I won't say a little bit, it's been a huge roller coaster, but it, it kind of pulled into the station real, uh, real smooth last night. Yeah. And, buddy. uh, you know, to be able to, to bring home the checks and, you know, Rich, we were joking earlier. <laughs> I have, I have one student who loves to come in and, and see the checks and hold the checks. And, you know, and he comes in today, he wants to take Gotta a selfie. Checks, with, baby. You get, and, and, you know, the, the big joke, you know, we were talking about, you know, the, the Jackie moon, Scene from uh, from semi pro, like where 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 do you, did you take it to I, a big check bank? Anybody know where I got a big bank where I can take a big check? So oh, yeah, it's Don, just been it's one, just been awesome. This one is for Thank you, brother. This awesome. one is for you. Yeah, this is my soapbox rant, Nick. Before I get to you, and we'll talk about this. You're good. Give me two minutes on this. Good. I see a lot of people bitching. A lot of people complaining. A lot of people saying, when are these boomers going to get off the radio in Philadelphia? You need to realize you give these people a platform, regardless of how much you bitch about them and how much you complain because you refuse to search for content. Don, Nick, Oscar, and myself do an hour show, a one-hour show a week that puts out some really good topics with really good thoughts that touch on Philadelphia sports. Things that are relevant. I'm not talking about can Ben Simmons shoot a fucking basketball like 97.5 did all last week, which is kind of fucking annoying. And then they call out the dude, Dennis, who made fun of them because they were absolutely in the wrong. When you say the same stupid shit all over again and you get all of the people on Twitter who go, when are these guys going to stop? When are we going to get somebody else in? How about you search for content? I'm going to drop some podcasts for you that you can listen to where people are trying to make a difference and doing things that are better than the radio. Scotty talks. Number one, Don, you were on that show. That podcast is great. I love listening to Scotty. I like when Don was on there. He just had a good episode with Rob Motti and his boy. I enjoyed it. Number two, drunk on broad. Listen to us. I don't care. It's an hour. Have fun. Enjoy the content. We're not doing the fart jokes. We're not talking boomerism. <laughs> We're talking real shit that's going on in Philadelphia with the sports and our takes on it from fans, not people who were paid to push a narrative. Two, Big T Will. Three. Full court press. Three. Thank you, Nick. Full court press. P-H-U-L-L. Great podcast. Talk Sixers basketball. He just put an episode out on Saturday um, talking about the magic number. Listen to it today. Loved it. Listen to it. Real Prince, Real Prince Blue. Listen to his Real Talk and Real Time podcast with Prince Blue. Listen to it. It's good. He does that, and he does Behind the Badge, which is great, and it has a very good topic. He's an ex-police officer. He is retired. He brings on his buddy, and they talk about issues that are going on now. You can hear from a black man and a retired cop. Listen to it. All about the birds. Love those guys. Listen to their shit. They do a lot of stuff with us. We do a lot of stuff with them. Stop complaining that you don't have anything to listen to because you can't look or devote an hour of your time to listen to somebody else because you want to listen to John Kincaid and Mike Missinelli bitch and push their stupid fucking narratives. And the funny thing is, if you saw on, what was it, Sunday, John comes at Mike on Twitter because of the COVID restrictions in Atlanta, and it was fucking hilarious. But you have two guys who want to push their own narratives and who want to do their own boomer shit. Search for your content. Stop being sheep because that's what you are. You give e you literally give Elliot Shore Parks a job by retweeting all his dumb shit. Like, stop. Stop listening to these fools. 
Listen to people who are trying to make a difference and people who aren't putting out stupid topics and all these hot button takes. Enough with it. Nothing is going to change in the media in Philadelphia if you keep liking, subscribing, tuning in, and calling to complain. And honestly, stop giving callers. One caller, one person can call a week. Stop doing repeat callers every single day. Nobody wants to hear Mike from KOP. Nobody wants to hear Scott from Barrington every fucking day. Am I afraid of Boston or Washington? No. No. I mean, what, what else is there like left for us? Like that's what I I don't understand. We're are yes getting into the next round and then moving forward could be a little tough, but it's nothing that I see as being a problem. I mean, in all in all honesty, if if it takes them more than ten games to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, something went drastically wrong. Like yeah. if they can't take care of the the Pacers and the Knicks with you know with with ten games to play, you know I I think. I think that that that's where I think the the stars kind of align in a sense where you know, they're they're going to be in a prime position to be able to not have to face the Bucks, the Heat, or the Nets until the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're only going to face one of those teams. Yeah, which is why that that one seed is is huge. Oh man, but they still want to they still want Ben to shoot threes. So going into the playoffs. Ben, start shooting threes, bud, because that's what everybody in Philly wants you to do. Nick, what are you thinking, buddy? Yeah, I mean, it's probably best-case scenario, the way that it played out, finally getting that number one seed, just because the way that it shakes out. Um, I mean, a couple of the teams are, you know, like Washington and Boston, they got some good players. Um, you know, they're the Boston's really well-coached, right? But they've been without Jalen Brown's one of their best players. Washington has two elite guards, but still – they have to stop us, right? They have to stop. We're the best defensive team in the league with probably the two, like I think the two best individual defenders in the league are Embiid and Simmons in that order. Embiid number one, Simmons number two, just the way they affect the game. So, yeah, I, I mean, the best case scenario is that Chicago beats Indiana and then – I guess I mean yeah, Charlotte, not not Chicago. I don't know why I said Chicago. <laughs> well, Charlotte is Nick. Charlotte's right now losing by thirty-five. So oh, they are. Yeah, Charlotte okay. is going to lose. So <laughs> then you know, I mean that's fine. Indiana has some good players. They're another well-coached team, but ultimately, you know, people are just in the. It's just we've been hurt so many times by like last year's team was really good, um, and it's just it, it was more of a coaching thing and a rotation thing and. They didn't also have the right lineup, right? That was with Al Horford on the team. So, like, you don't have the spacing that you have now. Guys didn't know the roles. Now they know the roles. I think that it's set up perfectly for us. Ultimately, it doesn't matter who you play. You're number one seed. You have to take care of business. So, if we even, even if we're number one seed and then we end up, we would have had to play Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn. Like, you deserve to go to the finals if you beat all those teams. So, whether you get scrubs yeah. or you get the top teams, you got to beat them, right? So they And they should feel in their minds that don't matter who steps on the court against us, we're going to dominate. That, that, that was, I mean, when you go back and think about all the, the, the statistical line for Embiid and look at what he was able to put up, even though he had those ticky-tack fouls, like he yeah. had two, two fouls within the first seven minutes, and then his third foul, 
And I love I love the tagline that uh, that Al Abdul Nabi had during the broadcast. <laughs> he had he had more contact walking in. He goes, I had more contact walking in the joint than Embiid had on that play. He did. Like, you would have more contact with somebody just walking past you, going to the concession stand, than Embiid had on that play. Good, because we all know Julio's Julio. Because I'm not giving up draft capital for a guy who's super fucking expensive, who's going to be 32, who has nagging foot and calf injuries, who is going to get paid like $23 million next year, and who's not going to help us win a Super Bowl. We have more needs than putting Julio Jones on the field, and he doesn't want to play here. Go sign the guy from Pittsburgh. The, the, I can't remember the defensive back's name, but go Nelson. sign Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Sign him. Do not do not trade for Julio Jones. Like, I don't well, need another thirty-two-year-old wide receiver who's broken down. He is literally on his last leg. He played nine games last year. Nine. Good. How you guys doing? You know. Good. When you have to keep talking about the redundancy of Sixers playoff and Bass and Scotty knows, you guys know. It's fun having a podcast when there's only one team performing. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that is true. You got to trying to find things to come up with every week. It's not that easy, but we have fun. So, gentlemen, what's going on? Uh, not much. Not, not much. Um, I appreciate you guys doing this. Yeah, um, trying to spread the word. Um, yeah, Happy to have you guys on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're so happy. I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't know kind of where you guys wanted me to take it. Dude, wherever the fuck you want to take it. I don't <laughs> care. Take it wherever you want to go because then we have questions for Scotty. So you guys, time to shine. So what's, what got was, you in the podcast? What got you into doing the Philly Sports Day? That's what okay. I want. Okay, well, about three or four years ago, I started my own podcast, um, strictly fi- Flyers related. I'm a okay. big hockey guy. A big hockey guy. Ah, that's kind of my – Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of my, my first go-to. So – um, that didn't work out after having two kids. I just didn't have time for it. So I talked to Dom, my co-host, you see him right there. He, um, we talked to him about starting our own maybe a couple months ago. I was just tired of the, the WIP and 97.5 and just, it's not good. It's just not <laughs> good. Everybody said, yeah, 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 this, is, this is not good. So <laughs> we just kind of wanted to create something different. Um, that's kind of where, where we, where we started. I hear you. So you and Dom like best friends in like real life, or you just you uh, met the so, schmuck and you're like, let's do this. No, nah, nah, we like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, we're cousins, so I, we've known each oh, other nice. our whole lives. So yeah, nice. so nice. that that helps, right? And I, I stumbled, I stumbled on your stuff just on on social media, um, and the first time I listened to it, it, it reminded me a lot of our conversations, um, right? <laughs> and it, it's it, it just it's you know genuine unique takes on and, and i gotta tell you your uh your 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 level of knowledge hockey wise is all point man so yeah i appreciate that yeah, yeah and I, I i started playing i started playing hockey when i was about three or four years old so i've basically just studied the game of, of hockey pretty much my whole life so that, that's kind of where that started I just had a knuckle puck. That's all. I just learned. I learned from Russ Tyler. (laughs) Russ Tyler taught me the knuckle puck, and I just I took I took it to my back room and took it to the driveway. Scotty, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? Hey, man. Finally, you know, nice to finally put the you know the faces to the Twitter, man. I know we've been going (laughs) forth for a couple weeks, you know, trying to get together. 
Um, just want to say, you know, thank you guys for always tagging me in those posts. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys. You know, forget the radio. Forget 97.5, 94.1. Forget it. We're not here to grab, you know, um, headlines or, or, you know, click, you know, click baiting, none of that stuff. So um, I appreciate all you guys work and uh, thanks for having me on. Um, obviously, we're in the, the heart of the, the sixth <laughs> season here, the NBA season. Um, you guys know I cover the, the NBA pretty closely. I cover the whole NBA. I try yeah. to at least. <laughs> obviously, I, I show a little bit of favoritism there. But um, yeah, man, I, I just love covering the Sixers. Also love covering the Eagles. Um, a lot of the NFL as well. And uh, I'm a four for four, five for five guy, just like I hope all of you are. So you're throwing the wings in that, right? You're throwing wings lacrosse. Is that your five for five? So you're throwing <laughs> in there. I was thrown in the union, man. I'm trying oh, to throw in the union. Oh, no, that makes you a six for six. And if you guys Listen, remember, man, six for six, then I'm with if you that. want to remember and you want to go seven for seven, you got to go the Philadelphia Bulldogs when they had the roller hockey team back in the day. Do you remember the Philadelphia Our, uh, the the show that we did, the preview show that we did right before the season started? I mean, we were we were all to, we were all yeah. talking about the fact that like you know the. Yeah. Liking what they did to rebuild the bullpen, uh, bringing in new arms that throw heat. Like we talked about all that, but I think when we talked about it, we knew that there was this pendulum that could swing. That you could get the really good end of of some of these players, or you could get the not productive end. And I feel like on almost every guy, you're getting the not productive end, and that. But they're 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 still in this false sense of reality. Because they're because the division also sucks, and they're not that far out of first place. But there there are so many pieces that are missing that you couldn't possibly plug every hole. But you also don't have the pieces to plug the hole because their farm system sucks. The vicious cycle, and you know what? It started with uh, unfortunately with Matt Klentak, who's basically ruined this team. And unfortunately, you know. I think when they signed Harper, you know, they did it with good intention. I, you know, I really do believe that. I, I, I firmly believe that John Middleton does want to win. I don't think he's like just some asshole owner that, you know, is just not invested in wanting to win. Yeah. But I think the problem is, is that this team is so bad and it it's, has so many holes, like, like Dom just said. And not only does that have holes – it doesn't have any way to get better because the only way you really can fix this team right now, and I, and I hate to say it, but Bill said it on his, uh, you know, on Twitter. I've said it. You guys have all said it. The only way to fix it is to blow it up. I, I hate to say it, but it, I, you, there is no quick fix because you can keep signing free agents. You're not going to go anywhere because you're not going to compete with the Braves. You're not going to compete with the Mets. What do you think of uh... – how how did you feel last night? I was the, very, I, I was I was disappointed. I mean, the, the team did not play well, um, and you could see, so a lot of the people that were commenting in uh, on my show after the game were saying, "Well, they didn't look like they were playing together, and they weren't." Of, of course, they didn't look like they were playing together. Their, their centerpiece wasn't there. Their backup centerpiece, and notice I'm using the word center there, Dwight <laughs> Howard wasn't play- so nobody. When they when they planned out the game and they practiced out the game and they figured out how it was going to go, had Mike Scott Mike Scott penciled in for 17 minutes last night. No, so 
It didn't look that way. Ben Simmons wasn't on the floor to facilitate. I mean, they looked disjointed with Embiid being now doubtful. It's a concern. And I know we talked about, well, the next round matchup, because we are still up 3-1. The next round matchup being the Knicks or the Hawks. What it comes down to is both are easy matchups if Embiid's playing. Both are difficult matchups if he's not. Embiid is the centerpiece of this team. So it it really does make or break with him. Hawks are minus 11 with him on the court. Yeah, he was he was minus eleven yesterday. Doesn't even make any sense. He, he, like, he was the only one in the starting lineup that was minus eleven. So that uh, to me was wild. a lot. So T Will, what do you got for us, bro? What changes do you think need to be made? Well, I mean, first of all, it um the the changes are very minimal because we saw the changes the second half, okay? And at, from what I've heard today, and you know, text messages going back and forth, you know, Doc was trying to protect Matisse and Ben because of the ticky-tack fouls the rest were calling. And we get that, but that's during the regular season you do that. You know, the playoffs is something different. You got to go for it on the playoffs. And Doc, you know, he he has to catch some fault. He pulled a Brett Brown yesterday. He got caught (laughs) sleeping. He got caught watching the game instead of adjusting the game. However, he adjusted the second half, but the hole was so big you know, for them to dig yourselves out of, yeah. it, it was just too late. The good thing is, though, Philadelphia fans, we saw an adjustment. We've seen a coach adjust on the fly like that in the last seven seasons with the coach we had. So it was good to see that. However, it was just a little too late. I think personally coming out in the uh, next game Tuesday night, uh, he's going to start Matisse. He's going to put Matisse on him, on uh, Trey Young, and basically – have Matisse and Ben lock him up like they did the second half of that game. I mean, the second half, the, let's be honest, the pressure bust pipes, okay? And that yeah. pressure was all over Atlanta that second half. That second half just shows you how good the Sixers really are. So to dig themselves out of almost a 30-point hole, you know, d- d- don't worry. I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't put too much stock into Atlanta. Let Trey Young get off. He's going to get his 30. The Sixers got beat by the role players. There's no way in hell that a team is going to shoot 72% and make 23s and 15 from the corner. Yeah, That's why Vegas is always rich. This is going to be fun because I can't wait to see what this guy has to say about last night's game because he actually watched it or right, it was just so in the background. It was in the background. Um, at, at one point, I saw it was 20 points up, right, at least. And then I looked, and they were, like, up by two only. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? Um, how do you let that ha- – how do you, like – I mean, again, like, I don't know basketball like that, especially, like, professional. But, like, is that, like, a four-goal lead? Isn't that, like, you know, like, being up – Yeah, four- it's hard. Or Oscar but, football, it's like being up three touchdowns, man. It's like a like, ball against, against the, Fal- the Falcons and Patriots. But yeah, like Mike, just, like Mike saying, it was a horrendous second. Like that third, that third quarter, that third period, whatever. Yeah. The third quarter that was abysmal basketball, and it has to do with Furk on Korkmaz. Like get the Furk out of the game. Having to listen to the national broadcast <sighs> has been horrible. I'm sorry, but. It don't be sorry. Me, don't be. Don't you fucking no, be sorry, no, dog. No, no, no. It gave me a, a, a greater appreciation for the the verbal gold that comes out of Mark Zumo's mouth that comes from Allah Abdul Nazi. This is going to be a clip that 
I put together a little bit of montage of the two of them and a little bit of Tom McCarthy mixed in because I'm just so tired of like the mouthpiece, all this uh, Trey Young is that they were they were actively cheering for the the Hawks like I so when when Mark Zuvals when, when he's talking about turning garbage into gold and being on the seesaw and locking all windows and doors and like <laughs> that kind of stuff I love maybe it's the Homer in me maybe it's just because it's my team maybe because it's verbal gold in studio today. The man, the myth, the legend, the notorious one, Connor. I mean, real Prince Blue. What is going on, Prince Blue? How are you today, my brother? What is going on? Finally made it, man. I'm glad to be here. You got, you got to, you finally got to the big times, there, pal. Finally got to That's the big right. times. I'm finally drunk, man. I'm, I'm finally <laughs> drunk on broad. Feels good to be drunk on broad. Cheers, Don. I had I left Cheers. my koozie upstairs. That's my it's time. okay. We no have worries. beautiful koozies. <laughs> we have beautiful koozies. We have a fun episode for you guys tonight. Don and I just popped oh, yeah. on uh, Scotty talks, so we were on there. I was on there for like two seconds. Don was on there for most of the part uh, part of the night, we're talking Sixers because let's let's be real. What else is there? What else is there to talk about? What is up, dudes? What you. is up, Mike? Dom, how are we, boys? How are we? There's our. They boy. had a great episode this week. I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet. It's good. It's definitely worth a listen. I'm I'm blown away. I am literally blown away that we are sitting here on June 22nd having this, you know, funeral for (laughs) like, like, and here's the thing is that, and I was talking about this earlier, like there were a couple of things that as I'm watching this, that I'm going back to. Like I, I'm remembering the feeling of sitting in my living room in Glenside watching one bloody nil and watching Roy Halliday give up one run in the first. <laughs> and it was the slow burn. And it was Raul Banez hitting a, a ball that gets stuck in the wind and never yeah. gets down. And and then they lose. And they that team had over a hundred wins and was gonna mow through the playoffs. And right and then the eagles play in tampa right it's all set up you know the the whole the whole record with the temperature never winning below don? 34 degrees and da, 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 da. Don, right? this triggered something for you and it, I, I think it's a dark place it, so it, I, what i want you to do don i want you to go to the sixers and i want you to tell them how you feel i want you to tell them how you feel because you're in a dark place right now my friend i could tell i could tell i i, I hate them <laughs> I, I have never felt so much anger towards this team. I literally spent like when I tell you, like I like everybody went upstairs. My wife worked that night. She was upstairs watching Lost. She's like ten years late to that party, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but like my kids are asleep, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm re- like, and I turn like I'm just like sitting there, and I'm like. What like what did I just watch? Like I just watched Father's Day, like trying to like cap the night off, and no one showed up. No <laughs> one. They sucked. It was terrible. Prince. Like Doc, Doc got out. Doc got out. Coached. Ben got out. Ben didn't even show up and play. <laughs> ben was barely there. He was there, ben, not even in spirit. He was there just in body. Like. Here's the thing. 
I went back and I looked at the Bucks Nets game seven. It's a good game. Durant played 53 minutes. Harden played 52 minutes. Giannis played 50 minutes. Middleton played 52 minutes. They put the, the Bucks played six guys. The Nets played seven. Why did we play 10 guys in a game seven at home? It was terrible. I didn't understand that either. And, and that those bench guys was... got rich. Those bench guys had 20. There were two guys on the bench that played over 20 minutes. What are we doing? You were angry, Don. You were angry. I was mad. I believe who showed up. Who showed up between Ben Simmons and Richard Simmons? <laughs> Which one showed up first? I would say Richard probably did, to be honest with you. I mean, Richard Simmons would have at least he would at least he would have tried. On the he court. Even tried. He would have given me some dance moves tried. on the court. He would have sweat to the oldies. Ben Simmons <laughs> went. And I'm glad we got Shantae in here because her light skin boo, he failed us. And she wants his babies. I can't believe he on a court that Dr. J built, that Charles Barkley built, that Wilt Chamberlain built, that Allen Iverson built. Moses Malone. Moses Malone built. Mo Cheeks built. I can't believe he withered like that. I can't believe he refused to show up. I can't believe he looked at the franchise guy, Joel Embiid, on a torn meniscus and refused to give him help. I can't believe that Ben Simmons refused to grow a pair and help the Philadelphia 76ers. I can't believe he, he gave the fans after a pandemic, that pathetic of a performance. Daily. And it's more of therapy on what's going on. And, you know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. I've been on, uh, I've been offered to go on a couple podcasts. I've rejected them because I still have to do my podcast this week. And I'm coming on this one because you guys keep it real. Okay. Thank Let's you, be clear. Let's be perfectly clear. Any problem any fan has with other fans complaining about Ben Simmons, stop tweeting about the Sixers, okay? Fans are allowed to bitch and moan. We've been through the process since 2013. We were told we're going to get enough eggs in our basket to put us in this position. We went through seven dreadful years with Brett Brown, okay? Enabling Ben Simmons, nurturing Joel Embiid, not getting the maximum talent out of him that we need. We finally get a coach, okay? We know his track record, but he's still a decent coach. We bring him in, and he's unlocking the big man. Like Prince said, he's 7-2. That can't be your assassin. He's no. outnumbered. He's outmanned. So we get a coach in here who's carrying his team through a window of opportunity 
to win a championship. This is not all on Simmons. I agree. But a lot of it is. A lot of it is. Yeah. And Doc Rivers, he was atrocious. You don't do a 10-man rotation in the playoffs. <laughs> a 10-man rotation in a game seven. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Doc? Where was the staff saying, yo, Doc, these guys got to play? Doc was atrocious. But the execution was far worse. The execution was far worse than what Doc Rivers was. Because we go out there with Tobias Harris, who disappeared in the fourth quarter for two straight games. Uh, I have a question for you. Sure. Because you and I kind of like have the same rage when it comes to, to situations like this. When, when you have a guy like Tobias Harris, who says, I'm a closer. He struts around the court in meaningful uh, regular season games. And he disappears in three games and a, a potential go up three to one in that series when the Sixers were up six. What was your instincts telling you at that point? He's soft. Thank you. He's soft. You. He's a, like, he, he's soft. He, he turtled up. Now, the fact that even, even in an overtime game, Bruce Brown for the Nets played 52 minutes. How like how does that happen? How, like how do you look at that roster and say I got 10 guys that can play? Like no, you don't. Like the only person that should have came off the bench was Matisse should have came in for Corkmas and Howard spells Embiid at the end. You of know why Don? For a minute. You know why? You know because why Don? No clue. You know why, Don? It's not a clue. You know why? Because it goes back to what me and T said in the beginning. When you got a killer like a Durant and a Harden, it's easy for those minutes to be delved up because you got killers. You got killers. You got like it. Now, if if we had a Durant and a Harden and they're on a bench, now you could really kill Doc because you like, what are you doing? Right. But. We didn't we don't have those. So now you're like, okay, you kind of like, okay, I don't know what he's doing, but I see what he's doing because Tobias ain't it, Furkan ain't it, Ben ain't it. So we gotta find points somewhere. Talk about these pieces of shit for uh, at least <laughs> 17 seconds. You suck, Philadelphia Phillies. As a pure <laughs> baseball fanatic, a guy who, who sits here. At freshly 32, guy who, who wished that he could still play baseball. It is an embarrassment of what I get to watch, which what well, what I haven't watched, because I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna lie. I haven't watched any of that shit. Because that's that's a good one, Adam. That's a good one. Make a wish. Yeah. I haven't watched any of the Phillies because they fucking stink. They are it's so bad. shit. What the fuck? Joe Girardi is not the coach for this team. Because he has no talent, he can't coach young players. But yet again, we don't really have that many young players that are superstars. So what the right. f- is the problem? But then you look at the back end of the bullpen. What do we have? Nineteen blown saves, seven blown saves in the past six games. That's so, atrocious. That that was the <laughs> stat that blew me away. That you had more blown saves this week than you had games. So something is vitally wrong. There. Yes. Well, he meant probably who will win. You think so? I believe yeah, I so. that was a joke because that was a really good joke. 
Um, <laughs> it's still a good joke because Italy already freaking won. So. <laughs> there we go. All right, Chris. <laughs> I was going to say, I believe Italy already won. Uh, well, listen, I, the, I, I am not a soccer fan by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, Ray. But how are you? Oscar, that was by far one of the best sporting events I've watched in a really long time. I, I, I know it. I know it has something to do with the fact that I don't have a vested interest in either team. So I just got the chance to appreciate the game for what it was, but that was incredible. It was, it was, it was definitely, I mean, again, same, same wise. I just watched it to watch. Um, I was on the edge of my seat the entire game. It was intense. It was, it was was just a good game, which is what you hope all finals are like in the first place. The best two teams make it to the end. Yeah. But I just think that, uh, those type of games shouldn't be decided by penalty kicks or like penalty shots in the NHL too. You know what I mean? Um, you see, so here's my problem with that. There's, they're playing 120 minutes at that point already. A lot of play until they die, right? They're supposed to be in nobody, great shape, aren't they? Nobody wants to run for more. Put it this way: out of the 120 minutes, I think I've read a while stat, the 80 of it was constant running. So it's just <laughs> I mean, they're not marathon runners; they're sprinters. So essentially, they're just sprinting at short distances so much. At least playing where they're not happening both at seven o'clock where you have to pick and choose or you're going multiple screens. Like you could sit down and watch the Phillies in the afternoon, take a little break, have some dinner, hang out with your whatever. And then, you know, get to be able to watch the Eagles and it's good. It just feels good. It just, remind, it, Eagles game just feels good. It is starting to feel like September. Mm-hmm. You have the birds playing. You got the Phillies playing. You got the birds looking defense, looking. I'm sorry, looking good on defense. Which I'm, I'm <laughs> it's Mason Rudolph. What's up, Chris? How you doing, buddy? Yeah. It's Mason Rudolph, but they're still looking. They look decent on that on those first two drives. So I'll take it. I mean, Najee Harris is just a beast. He's a, he's a man amongst boys. That guy can run, and he <laughs> runs hard. Hard. So I was I was enjoying watching him, but then you know what? I enjoyed watching uh, Zach Ertz step up. I'm sorry, we are talking and diving right into the Eagles Steelers uh, Steelers because I'm watching it in the background and I am yeah. so happy that football is can the Eagles trade him now? Question mark. Jeff McClain enters something like really like pussy like, like just being like, let me pick a fight on some stupid shit because that's what Jeff McClain likes to do. Like fucking stop. Like stop reporting all this negative shit. Because then we're not gonna get rid of them. Now we're gonna be stuck with them. For like another two years. I mean, for like a six round pick, is it worth trading them? Probably not. Might as well just keep them then to be the backup. Let them sit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's goofy, man. Like everything that I read out of training camp, I was reading Zach Ertz is having a great year or having a great camp. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Okay. They're going to say that because they want to get him out of here. Yeah, but he also came out to practice and he's not wearing any Eagles logos on his shorts. He's got them covered up. You didn't notice that? No. He's coming out and he's wearing his shorts. He's either wearing different shorts, he's wearing them inside out. So they, there's no Eagles logo. He doesn't want to show the logo on anything he's wearing. Really? He's pissed off. But he said that they don't know whether it's the fact that he's such a dope. They they said that it's either that I guess he went to Howie and he expected either he either expected to be traded or it was the conversation was like I would like to be traded. And Howie said Howie must have told him like Okay, it's either going to happen or I'm going to try my best type deal. And then they said people were kind of people said that he was frustrated with the whole Brandon Goddard thing. And I'm like, yeah, but if you watch Zach Ertz play, this man runs ten yard routes and then he falls on the ground and catches the ball. That boy was looking 
did Jim Schwartz leave his playbook behind because the defense just looked wonky. Just didn't look, didn't look right. But, man, as they got through the game, my, feed Miles Sanders. Feed Miles Sanders. That boy was looking incredible. I mean, Rich, I, w- I would argue with you. Like, I didn't mind some of the play calling at the beginning. I liked trying to get the ball to, to, to Quez in space early. Like, they went to him, you know, three straight times to start the, the game. Um, I like the the focus on the RPO. And, you know, it, it puts – Hurts in a position to be able to get, uh, you know, to get him in space. And the more that he's a threat to run, the more that that pass, uh, it becomes more of an asset. Um, so I, I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate to be, I, I thought the defense, I, why they went away, why Atlanta went away from a lot. Like they had a bunch of stuff that was successful on those first two drives. Running the ball. Uh, Running the ball. And they went away from it. And I have no idea why. Um, So, you know, I I, I like the fact that they were able to – the the only reason that that game didn't get away from them was because they were able to hold them to two field goals and not touchdowns. Yeah. If they give up – you know, if it's – if they get 10 or 14 points in those two possessions, the the feel of the game is very different. I think he had like 2,000 yards, which is fucking crazy. But I love I love the fact that our defense stepped up with that pass rush. I hate the whole fact and all these people saying, well, you know, uh, all the Eagles are probably going to lose against Atlanta. And then they go, oh, it's just, it's just Atlanta. Like, stop with that. Like, stop playing the narrative of, like, both sides. The Eagles won a great game that they played. Atlanta could be absolutely hot dog shit. Which is fine too, but don't right. discredit a win. A win's but, a win. Are you yeah. going to say that? Are you? Are, are people going to go out there and say, "Oh, Baltimore's uh, a garbage team because they lost last night against the Raiders, who I think are a way inferior team than Baltimore"? No, they're going to say, "Oh man, Baltimore got upset." Any given Sunday, Rich. That's what they say. Man. Say that. My concerns would be. I have two. Jalen Hurts is kind of an overall concern. I'm not even talking about him because I've been on the train since the beginning watching him play enough. He doesn't have a true NFL arm. He doesn't. He just doesn't. He can make throws, but, like, when you watch a game, like when you watch the Bills play or you watch the Chiefs play or you watch – I'm trying to think of some of these other guys that, like – or, like, you watch, you know, Deshaun Watson, all these guys, they can make throws – like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, all these guys can make throws every possible angle. They can make a throw 60 yards in the air and hit a dude in the hands. Jalen Hurts, I don't think he can do that. Prove me wrong. That's what I want you to do. He might not. Now, the Eagles offense, they're going to tailor that. You know, they say you don't need a true arm like that anymore because they move the pocket so much and guys get out and run. But ultimately, you watch what Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes do. They can move the pocket. Yeah. And they can still make that throw 60 yards on the, on, you know, hit the other post at the, you know, the opponent's 10 on the corner out at the sidelines. And they can like with the flick of the wrist, like Michael Vick used to do. So I want to see his arm, but I think my concerns would be, I agree with you, Rich, the linebacker linebacking core is a problem in today's NFL. You need athletic hybrid linebackers that can cover, play the run, diagnose plays, um, pick the ball off, be a little bit more, you know, be a little more alert, be able to drop in coverage, move up, you know, um, 
we haven't had that because this regime, when I say regime, I mean the front office, just does not value that position at all for whatever reason, even though they're behind the eight ball now because you see these teams that are really good. Like the Cowboys now, they have three linebackers that can do that. Right. Fired up, boys. Dom and not Clark Duke, but he actually is Clark Duke. <laughs> Clark Duke. What's up, boys? Yo, yo, what's yo, going yo, on? What's going on? Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. How so, doing? Uh, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. How are you guys doing? Happy birthday to your son. Just want to throw you that much. out there. <laughs> you, you brought up Paw Patrol. My da- I have two young daughters. We watched a Paw Patrol movie like literally 11 times since it came out on Friday. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> we, we, watched, we watched it one time, and he wants to watch it again on Thursday. Yep. So that's what we're going to do. Awesome. But gentlemen nice. and lady, it's time to discuss the Golden Mike. The most prestigious, non-prestigious award in fantasy football history. <laughs> we have we have a, an amazing twelve-team league. I, I love it. We have Britt Lifts in it. She cannot be doing with us. Uh, Jason Voorhees from the Sports and Metal Podcast. Great dude. He might be joining us. He might not. He is at work right now. We have Amanda from the Blue Line Preview Podcast. We have the Fired Up Boys. We got Don. We got me. We got Nick. We have somebody else who's probably going to kick kicked out because she doesn't follow us. Um, and we have big team build. So it's going to be fun. It is going to be great. We draft tomorrow night, which is going to be nuts. Thursday night. Is it Thursday night? Thursday night. Thursday night, which is going to be nuts. I looked <laughs> at it one day. Thursday night. I don't even know what day it is. Hey, listen. Boss. Rich, I got, I got to admit, I, I was kind of looking sideways when you sent out when, when the – the draft order came out. Hey, how many, how many how many times we've run that simulator, Rich? Hey, yeah, One time. And it, so so here's the fishy. Good, I agree. So, so here's the good thing about sleeper. <laughs> when I randomize it, it shows up in the thing. So you can't be all sneaky and hide stuff. That is like why I like that app. So trust me, Big T will text me at like eleven thirty on Sunday. I was like, yo. Run it! I need to know what the order is, bro. And I'm like, all right. And then I got number one pick. He's like, he's like, nah, dude, I don't like that. You should, you should redo it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm not redoing it. This is what it is. So it's funny. I have fir- I have first pick. Just saying, Kyler Murray's gone. Dom, you're second. Yes. Chip is third. Chip's third. Nick is fourth. Amanda, you're fifth. That's a, that's a, that's a tough spot. It's a tough spot to draft from. But I think you're going to be good. If it was Dom, he would fuck it up. And, and it I might fuck bad. it up too. Well, <laughs> well, I feel like he's going to draft like Jalen Hurts. Like, I think I think I know who you're. I think I know who you're picking, Dom. What makes you say that? N- number ninety-one from the Eagles. <laughs> Fletcher Cock. <laughs> then we have T. Will at seven, Don at eight, Brit Lifts at nine, Scotty at ten. Jason and then Mike. Some bullshit. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a super flex league, boys and lady. You better get your damn quarterbacks early. Yep. And if you don't, mm, you're going to have tape. And he said, "This guy is Alshon Junior, right?" Yeah, it's Alshon. I don't know what the hell tape he was watching. I don't know if there's 50 50 balls at Southern Cal against no wide receivers. It makes me laugh. But Adam says, "What about them getting rid of Jordan Howard and Carry on. Carry on's always hurt." I think he was injured, too. I think that's part of it. And Jordan Howard doesn't have a role on this team because they saw how great Kenneth Gainwell played. Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell is the truth. They're carrying three running backs for a reason. Boston Scott, you are our kick returner and our punt returner. You are our special teamer. 
Kenneth Gainwell and is going to be our third down back because that just, guy is a fucking monster. Just play That's Boston Scott okay. against any New York team, and he just eats. Give him his two <laughs> games. Give him his two games. Just eats. Seriously. No, but when I see Gainwell, Rich, I see him in the role of like a James White, Gio Bernard, just in that With role. More where he talent. Can, he can run, yeah, yeah, exactly. he can run the ball. He can run the ball, but also when you get him in space, he's great. Now, we talked about it, Rich, before. You know you're a good running back when three of those running backs on that roster were all NFL running backs, and you were the starter because Antonio Gibson and Tony Pollard couldn't beat you out to be a starter. Both of those guys are really good. Are really good. And we right. got him in the fifth round. Like I could, I, I could envision situations where like they're hitting him on swing passes oh. in the flat. In a wheel and route, get, like eat. wheel route, get him in space, um, get him matched up on a linebacker, get him matched up on a safety. He's gonna, he's gonna eat in, in those spots where, you know, those other guys aren't. The the, I mean, he proved that to me in those situations where you can see his tape and say, you know, in those scenarios, he's gonna produce. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that was a no, like a no brainer scenario. Um, and listen, Jordan Howard, like you, you picked him up off the scrap heap. It, it, it's it's kind of like a no win, like a no. He's lose. okay, but he's not good. Right. He was not. He was never going. He was never going to move the needle. And listen, this who's he going to beat out for a job? No one. He's not beating no. guys out. And and what what and have we been, teams. what have we been saying about this team the whole time? Right, this team is all about finding out what young talent you can have to build around moving forward. There's no value in keeping – and listen, I know Ryan – like Jordan Howard is – I almost said Ryan Howard. But Jordan he's Howard, he, he's, like, he's still in his mid-20s. But 26. like, but what value – like what value are you – you're not building around him moving forward. So what no. are you really finding out about? Nothing. I'd rather have a guy like Gainwell in that spot where you at least – can start to build those building blocks around Hertz to be able to start to see what you have in Hertz. Cause if you don't build around him, you're never going to find out what you have in that spot to know whether or not next year you're going to have. And listen, I'm just going to say this, that they have four picks in the first two rounds, yeah. whether that's three ones and a two or two ones and two and twos, two twos, whatever it is. If you need to draft the, the, the quarterback, you need to find that out this year. Yeah. So this year is all about finding out what Hurts is to be able to move the needle ahead to say we're either going to build around him or thanks but no thanks. We're going to draft the kid from Clemson or Spencer Rattler or whoever. No, whoever. I don't like any of these quarterbacks. No, no but like – you know what I'm saying? Like you're, yeah. you're either going to find out what you have or you're going to draft a guy or you're going to use that draft capital to get a veteran that's already in the league. I'm going to give it all I got one more time and then you get a stop and then there's nothing better than you get that fourth, you know, you get that penetration, you get the hit in the backfield, coming up, fired up. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, yelling for you. It's like, that's awesome, bro. There's nothing. Yeah. Like when you do that in a game, like your teammates are hyped up and your coaches are hyped up, but it's like, you look up and you, you don't see anything. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm playing the NFL. I'm playing in the major league baseball. Like I'm playing in the NBA. Like I want to see people looking at me, booing me, cheering me. Like I like that. That's how they should all feel that way. Yeah, definitely. And that's like, that's like, it goes back to like the, the Cristiano Ronaldo has this quote. And it's so funny that a lot of people use it. It's like 
It's like your love gives me, you know, uh, what's it? makes me stronger. It's, it's, your love makes me stronger. So like whenever he hears the love, you know, he gets, you know, so much stronger to feel. But it's like the hate I hear is what makes me unstoppable. And like he literally, like any boost he hears, that's like 10 times more. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's, and it's out of respect, too. You boo guys like that because you know how good they are. And you're like, you don't want them to beat your team. But it's like you're booing them out of respect. Like if it's a nobody, I'm like, I'm not booing him. He stinks. Yeah, seriously. You know, and you're like, all right, this dude's one of the best, one of the best soccer players ever. So we're booing you because we know at any minute you decide you want to turn it on, you can just dominate. Yeah. Well, and it's like that, like it's like that MB quote from this, like from this past week when he's talking about like, like that, like hearing that criticism is fuel. That's that's what I use to make sure that the next time that I show out. You're not getting the same problem. It's stupid because it's such a historic play in our franchise. And then you try to execute it and you can't against the 49ers. Like you calling the Philly special is just absolutely dog trash. But before we move on, I want to talk about our sponsor, La Terrain Watches. Visit them at la-terrain.com. Use promo code DOB at checkout. Again, that's La Terrain Watches. Uh, at la-terrain.com, use promo code DOB, pick up yourself a nice watch. Great sponsor, good people, pick up a watch. Pandering, that, pandering. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think just one. Just one. The, not only was the play calling in that stretch suspect, but it was poorly executed. There was no execution. That's why they couldn't punch it in. So. Like That's when, the longest play of the year that is going to result into no points, probably in the NFL. A 91-yard play gets you down there, and then you can't punch it in. Instead, you come out and you look flat because you want to be cute. There's no need to be cute. Mike says, or Jordan Howard should be on the team for those situations. I don't even think that you need Jordan Howard for those situations. I think you just do a direct snap to Jalen Hurts and let him take it through the A or B gap. That's all you have to do. How do you not trust your offensive line when they're all healthy? Right. I believe Brandon Brooks was still in the game at that point. But even without him, I'm still confident that you could punch that ball in. So there's two things. The sad sack of women's. <laughs> Welcome to Pettyville, bitches. That, that is Ben Simmons. I can't stand – the way that this has all broken down, the way that this has been handled, the way that he perceives what is actually happening. And the the comments by Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and you have not you have done nothing in this league to be able to say that you want to be out of here. You have done nothing. Your game has never changed since your first season at LSU. Your game has never evolved. You are still the same player that you were when you were sitting and on that court in Louisiana. Your game has not changed. Your game has not gotten better. And to me, you got so much love. In this city, you got people cheering, standing ovations when you took a shot, just because you took a shot. Your standards for yourself 
have to be better. You have to want to be better. But what we have learned in this whole process is that he does not want to be better. What he wants is the pictures by his car and the picture by his pool and the, the trolling videos with John Wall. Hollywood. And all that he, he wants all of that and he wants everything that comes with it. But I can't, uh, I'm done. I'm done. I saw the, the funniest video that I saw today was, you know, the guy that goes to faux bite, light the, the, the Jersey on fire. And then he goes, Oh, and he puts the little note down and says, Ben Simmons. Oh yeah. yeah. And then he goes, uh, no, sorry. Fuck you. Like, I'm just bye. Just go. Just like, I, I, but honestly, my hope, Rich, is that he rots. He my will. hope is he that will. he rots and I'm here sits for it. And, 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 and I'm here for all of it. I'm here for every minute of it until the Sixers get what they want. You think that he, coward will sit on the bench? I don't think that coward will sit on the he bench. He won't. No, he won't. He won't, and he won't he show up, and he won't do anything. He can't face that. Um, but I also think the media and the way that they've handled this situation, they can go forget themselves. It's such a such a travesty the way that they Not, have handled the, it. The word there is fuck themselves. I hope you. Fuck yourself. He made Nick Sirianni look stupid. Why? Because he knew, all right, I'm going to run the ball. I'll drop back, throw a pass play. Okay. We get down to third and one. All of a sudden, Hargraves, Sweat, Cox, and I don't even want to bring up Derek Barnett's name because that dude is absolutely terrible. More career penalties and sacks. That guy's a fucking waste. I can't wait to off this goddamn team. Rich, did you see see the clip? It's always him. It's always, no, him. it's always him. It's always him. Because it is. It's always Derek Barnett. It's always something stupid. It's always something and it's moronic. It's and it and without fail, it is always at the worst, worst pos- possible time. Worst time. And then but then he always has this like stupid like what me look when, yeah. when like when they're like and he's like, What? What did I do? I just I don't His production is awful. Doesn't even match that of like a fifth or a sixth round pick, let alone a guy who got picked in the top 20. Who was the all-time sacks leader in the SEC. Broke broke Reggie White. And the Astros just I thought they I thought they were gonna suck without cheating. we were we were hoodwinked. We were we were hoodwinked on that one. Then they lost some players too. Yeah, yeah dude, that's the, that's the crazy thing. And then Garrett Cole gets rocks in the uh, the play-in game because he's not good without cheating. So, all right, relax. All right. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Are, you, are, you, are you really going to say that confidently? I am going to say that confidently. What has he done since he got caught with sticky substances, or since they put a, a thing that's saying, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna get fined"? I mean, he was still he was still really good, Rich, but he wasn't as dominant. He's still really good. Cheater's gonna cheat, bro. Cheater's oh gonna God, cheat. You're so mad. 
I'm not mad, Oscar. You you guys, I'm not you. Your team is paying this dude like $400 million. He should be better than Zach Wheeler. All right, he, Zach Wheeler is better than him. I'm not paying a Just single saying. dollar out of that. You think I care how much he's making? Like, <laughs> you should. Oh, wait, nah, it really doesn't affect you. You're right, Oscar. But that bitch-ass New York team that you have, which they're going to say, our players underperformed. No shit they did. Like, we're not dumb. We watched them all season. That lineup should have like 19 home runs a game. And they yeah. stink. So how do you feel about that? They fucking stink. Stink, Oscar. Oscar, stink. I, I got to tell you, so I, in, in watching those two playoff <laughs> games, nothing, nothing against you, but I was secretly hoping for the, the, the Yankees and the Dodgers to lose. Simple fact, for, just for, for mm-hmm. one simple reason, to get rid of that one-game playoff. If yes. the Yankees and Dodgers lost in that playing game, especially the Dodgers being a hundred plus win regular season team with, you know, it looks bad for the sport. It, it looks so bad that you take 162 games that every thing is decided on a series, three games, four games. And then you have one game to decide who moves on. I have baseball though. Baseball never does anything right. So it doesn't matter. Like you're looking right, at but- that loses constantly, and then you get a hundred, you get a hundred team win that has to play in a playoff game, or a hundred, right. a hundred win team that has to play in a play a play in game, just to show that, that they're worth the being there. Like, come on, like they need to do something. Like you have to make that at least a three game series. Three games, right? You can make it three games, even if you don't want to extend that playoff. But still, that three game playoff, even if you gave the home team, you know, the first two home games. Right, you still give them the home, the 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 team that's with a better regular season record, the home field advantage. But I just I, I was I was hoping and praying that that the Cardinals would pull it out. And but that game, that game was awesome. A lot of aggressive play. There's a lot of guys that are shoot first, not not trying to make 67 pass. Like you don't have Warcheck trying to make you know three extra passes to get. Like you've got Atkinson and Ellis and those guys that are trying to get shots on the net. And I think. Yeah. You can't score without shooting. You need shots to score. I mean, we talk, I always say, you know, as I love hockey too, growing up watching, watching the uh, Legion of Doom line, yeah. and like how good they used to be. It's like, if Hart plays to his potential, this team is significantly going to be improved. Now, the defense still probably isn't where it needs to be, but they've made significant improvements with, you know, pairing Provorov with a competent guy that he can learn from yep. makes his life a lot easier because look at the numbers at the end of last year. Provorov probably wasn't that good, but I think that he was just trying to do so much. Every time I watched, he was on the ice a ton, and he's yeah. trying trying to be aggressive because the other person next to him is playing. He's playing with us. You know what I mean? He's playing with guys that shouldn't be – you know, first line defense defensemen, right? They should be, you know, minor league guys, or you know, maybe somebody gets hurt, they play. It's like Ellis is a good player. I like Ellis. He's always been a good player. Yeah. I like, you know, Ristolainland. Like, um, he's got a bad rep just because he played in Buffalo for so long, and they always have stunk. They haven't been good since what? Since they had uh, they had black jerseys, man. Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? That's probably the last time they were like, I remember that being like, good. Okay, make their car beat me. He can do it, but at least you're making him have to try. Bro, 92.5% completion percentage. Well, and those and the, three, the, three misses, I, the three misses weren't even like 
they were bad throws. Like, um, like uh, he missed a couple, but it wasn't like you were really contesting anything. No, you know? I mean, listen, we're, we're we are we are by no means a stat pod, right? No, but, but some of the like seeing that the the one thing that uh, Paul Hembakitis put out where you know Drew Brees is the the record for completion percentage is like seventy two percent for the whole season, and the the last I think five or six quarterbacks their completion percentage is higher than that. Like it was like two percentage points higher than that. The, the fact that you had 10 days to prepare. to prepare for this game and you came out with that dud and didn't realize or recognize at all that anything had to change throughout that entire game. And Nick, like we, how many times have we said, we are not sitting in, in all 22 films yeah. looking at position player focused footage yep how do we sit there and you know you, you and i can come up with a better game plan even in the middle of the game like just that that's the part that and at some point we have to talk about the 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 the, the penalty on third down where if they accept the penalty it's fourth and it's what fourth and four yeah but then he they, defended it after and like the fact that at that following press conference, the chart told me to do it. Mm-hmm. Analytics. What in the ever loving, like you're a coach, you're watching the game. Like get your head out of the fucking chart. Well, he already said in that press conference, he said, like, I believe it was before he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I watched some of it, but, you know, I'm, I'm or for the defensive side, but I'm mainly focused on the offensive side. Of he the called game. himself the offensive coordinator, bro. Yeah. I'm like, you're dude, the head coach, bro. You, that's not what you have to worry about. And like Chip is saying, like, OK, and you take from the press conference what uh, Cox and McLeod said. It was very eye opening because you just see how vanilla and bland that offense is. And th- these guys can't freelance. These guys can't just, OK. I'm going to do an impromptu blitz or I'm going to blow that. Like, nope, you're told this is where you're playing and this is what you're going to do. And the guys are like, well, we're getting destroyed. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm just going to do that. Fletcher Cox has not lived up to anything in the past 15 games. I get that. But it comes a point where you listen to the guys who really don't speak ill about coaches because they never do. Fletcher Cox never said anything bad about yeah. the previous game. So. I don't, I don't have the 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 experience of the the cooking endless amounts of turkey all weekend, you know, all all that entire month. Um, what I do remember, like Thanksgiving, to me, the one reason why Thanksgiving to me is one of my most favorite holidays um, is because it's the one that does not involve any exchange of gifts. Okay, it's just around family it's around hanging out you like it's, your family good for you don good for you listen rich the <laughs> I, I grew up in a very italian family yes so my my thanksgiving experiences are probably very similar to dom's we went over to my grandmother's at noon and we probably had seven different courses between the pastine soup and then you go outside and you get a break and yep. then you come back in and then there's lasagna and then you get a break and then you come back in and you get a salad. 
and then Thanksgiving. And then the dessert. So where, I, I mean, I, I kind of went, when Don was saying his, his uh, what was it? The, the, the four F's of Thanksgiving. Um, you know, the four F's, the, four F's. You know, the, the football, the family, the food. And, and to me, it's just, it's, um, it's a time where you can just kind of chill out and there's no expectation of anything other than to just kind of, just kind of hang I think Adam, um, Adam says, you think Sirianna doesn't like Sanders, why he don't run the ball with him? I don't think that he does not like him. Adam, here's, here's, here's what I'm going to say. And it's going to sound maybe goofy to some people. But to those who know, no. So look who was look who came up into the game and had two touchdowns. Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard. Yeah. Jordan Howard is Howie's boy. Howie needs to prove. <laughs> to him. So Howie's point is: I'm the smartest man. We got Jordan Howard on our practice squad team. If Miles gets hurt, he's a competent back and come in and can take over. Him and Boston Scott. Yeah. Gainwell's role didn't change. If you notice that, he kept yeah. his old role, which was very strange for how good of a running back he is. And I think he's better than Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. But yeah. Boston Scott gets a lot of run, scores a touchdown. Jordan Howard comes off the practice squad, has what eleven rushes for like fifty something yards. Yeah. Well, they had three. They had three guys that had double digit rush attempts. And I mean. Gamewell did toward the end of the game. He had like 13, but it was for like absolutely nothing. Right. But the thing, Adam, you have a GM in Howie Roseman who is the smartest man in the room. He proved on Sunday that you give Jordan Howard the ball. I think running the ball has been why they are most successful, the number one rushing team in the league right now. And let's be real. It opens up the passing game for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is making some better throws. Devonta Smith is looking all pro, um, highest P, uh, pro football or PFF wide receiver in the past right. few weeks is Devonta Smith, which is impressive. I thought it would be Mr. Cooper Cup or Debo <laughs> or, you know, guys of that stature. I'm not saying Devonta Smith can't be there, but, you know, right. Slim Reapers look good and he's running Chris Browns and he's catching the ball when it's thrown to him. And Hurts looks like he's. Hertz looks more comfortable in the pocket. And that's what I want to see from him as a passer, especially when he's stepping into those throws and he's making his reads. I, I think, you know, they're simplifying the offense enough for him to be successful and leaning on Jordan Howard and Boston Scott and Kenny right. G. It helps. It helps. And it's only going to help his development. Right. I think you're seeing the, 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 the evolution of his game. Right, you're seeing the fact that when he doesn't have to throw the ball 47 times, and they're not trying to run the Oklahoma air raid, you know, offense, he he can be competent. Um, and, and what I've seen in the past couple weeks, you know, weeks, that especially the when, when I went back to watch the Chargers game and the the game from this weekend compared to the Chiefs and 49ers games earlier in the season, right? You're seeing a guy who is moving and is much more comfortable in the pocket. Yep. You're seeing a guy who now that they've got him under center, those RPOs and play action passes are much better 
They're much more efficiently run. They're they're more believable. Um, do I think he needs to see the field better? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that still needs to improve. Does he need to be more accurate throwing the ball so that he's not throwing the ball behind guys and getting you know get guys killed? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would directly relate. That would directly lead to you know the the yak the yards after the catch um, for some of your some of your receivers where they're not you know falling you know, they don't have to come back to a ball that he you you can see pockets where he can be successful. There's flashes of greatness and there's flashes on things that he needs to improve. I mean, it's not like my like you said, it's not the, all the conspiracy the conspiracy theory behind it. But I, as I said earlier, it's not indicative to what this team is because they're not at full strength. But you like what you're getting from these guys who, like you said, 13th, 14th guy off the bench. You like what you're seeing out of the B-ball Pauls, the yeah. Isaac the Bassies, the Cork Mazes, Drummond's playing very well. It's just these guys you're not going to be able to count on for full-time minutes, which – we understand, or the amount of minutes that they're getting right now, especially when we get Tobias fully back, we get Joel fully back. But it might take Joel might play tonight, but play limited minutes, and it might take him a while to get back up because of his conditioning. But you see Drummond playing twenty plus minutes. He's he's been viable. He's been a right. viable guy for the offense. It's just getting everybody back to that congruent clicking stage, and right. I think that's going to come within time. I don't think that. I'm looking at this team. Oh, I'm worried they're not. I think this team is going to be a playoff team. Um, I think they're going to have better stretches and better runs once they are fully healthy. Can keep these guys fully healthy, and we get out of this COVID stuff with this team. I mean, it's it's yeah. us, and it's been tough. But you like what you're seeing on the court. You're expected to be down 20 points or to lose 20 points to Steph Curry, who's playing out of his mind, to another MVP. Like this is the stuff that you expect. But they're still battling. They still have heart. They're still not giving up. And I believe you add one or two other bench pieces to this. Mm-hmm. Team. Or maybe you trade Ben. You can get a, another center. I, I like – as much as people are saying don't trade him to Sacramento if it's not De'Aaron Fox or Buddy Heald, or I think Buddy Heald's already gone. If it's not De'Aaron Fox, I do like Bagley. They're not using Bagley. Do I think it's yeah. just Bagley? No. But I think you can get Bagley another piece and maybe a first round pick. And I'm completely fine. I'm just over the whole Ben Simmons thing at this point. And yeah. when Joe comes back, this team is going to be a lot better because it's Joe. It's Joe. Any any guy who dwarfs Jason Peters uh, is a guy I want on my offensive line. Agreed. Uh, and you know, and Kelsey, you know, talk about a guy who's just steady as he goes, just there, reliable. You know, the best. <laughs> we always say you know the best ability is availability. And he's um, always there. And he's always there. And uh, and I think him being there gives that line an opportunity to really solidify itself to be able to get this team to be able to do what it what it's learned how to do very well, which is run the ball. Yeah. I mean, we are going to be missing Jordan Howard this week, so there goes that big power back. But I am happy that Miles Sanders is healthy. He made it through last week. He had some fumbles, but that's always been his issue. But the burst looks there. He looks – people keep saying, I saw on Twitter, that he, it looks like he doesn't fit this offense. I don't know on the offensive sides outside of, let's be real, Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith. There is 
absolutely no one. Greg Ward dropping that touchdown was absolutely terrible. That was hard. Jalen Rager dropping the touchdown at the end of the game plus multiple passes. Two, 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 two plays in the in the final five minutes of the game that would have easily both been touchdowns. And Rich, you you have talked about this, you know, for for endless amounts of times. But like, it doesn't matter. Draft position aside, right? Yeah. First round, second round, third, whatever, right? Him, just look at him as a football player and tell me what he does well, because Nothing. I don't see it. So in my mind, I'm saying, why is he on the field still? Like, you, what are you learning from, from, from having him on the field that you don't already know? This was classic. In their show, <laughs> the Eagles lose to a boring-ass fucking putrid-ass game to the shitty-ass fucking clown Joe Judge-led shitty-ass North Jersey wishing it was either Philly or your New York Giants. Like, how – like, Pretty much sums it up. Dom, Dom the, the from the gospel of Dom. The gospel you know, according to Dom. Oh my God! But I like mean, it, it, it's true, and it, and it's it it sucks because of the magnitude that this could have gained. This game could have played, giving them the you, ability to be able to sw- sweep the Giants by having the still having the game in hand at home. Yeah, it's not going to happen, right? You're now so now the, I mean, the Jets. Now you have to win the Jets game. You have to win at least one or both of the Redskins games. You got to win the the, the Giants then, game at home. And they bodied and then, Seattle last night. The score yeah. was not indicative of the play and the astounding play of Washington's defense without Chase Young. But and you got to you got to hope and pray that and hope and pray that the Cowboys got something locked up. Supposed to do. Gardner Minshew went in, played a really great first half. And then they committed to the run game in the second half. So he didn't even play a great full game. He played a great first half against a bad defense. And then the team did what it had to do. My thing that I've been saying all week is Jalen Hurts is by far the better athlete, the better leader. He's not a better quarterback. But what we saw even last night with the Patriots game is you don't technically need a quarterback to win football games. No, you don't. You do not need a quarterback to win football games. Mac Jones gets credit for a win by throwing the ball three times. But, but Chip, the that in order to win games in December, January, February, sure. you need like you need the guy that's going to be able to cut it through. You know. The, the defense, Nick, you you know, you spoke 100%. in the past, Nick, about guys that, you know, being able to get the ball to the hash and get the ball to the numbers. And I don't know, it's hard because you, you, you see flashes of things that he does well. But it's like that analogy where, you know, you, you've got all the intangibles of things that he does well, but the most important thing, he doesn't do well. And that, that takes away from win games. Know, That's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. Does he win games? Jalen Hurts is a proven leader. And the one thing that I said is with Jalen Hurts, okay, so maybe he's not a good thrower of the football yet because he's not. But out of everybody in the NFL, I trust him more than almost every other quarterback to become better. 
You know what I mean? He will work harder. He will do what he needs to do. Now, the question is, does Philadelphia have the patience to wait for him? It's, it's hard to, to watch this team because you can tell where their needs are. Yeah. Wing defender, point guard. I mean, point, like the, the point guard position stands out. Like a Tobias song. Harris right. being allergic to 30. Listen, T. Will with the full court press, the, the content that they're putting out is if you're not listening to that content, holy crap, you are missing out on some actual serious nuggets of content that you're not getting anywhere else. You're not getting it on the radio. You're not getting it on any other podcast. The, the, there's nobody out there that's doing a better job at covering this team. Um, and just, you know, and he, and hearing the stuff that he's talking about, you know, he, he coined the phrase, Mr. Allergic to 30. So, yeah. um, you know, he, he's only got what, you know, less than he's got less than 40, 30 point games in his career. Um, in a time where you need him to step up and be a solid secondary scorer, Man, is he just taking kind of the easy road out and just he's giving you like you know the the twenty and six you know twenty one and nine like just not giving you the the scoring that you need with a guy like Embiid on the court the the semifinal. I know me versus Nick the, the drunk on broad showdown. One of us has to take it home, but I don't know, man. Britt's team is is tough. Stacked. Man. Her team is ridiculous. But I mean, every time I played her, man, it was killer. Dude, she's our team was ridiculous. But we have drunk on broad, two members of drunk on broad, and one member of drunk on Bryce, uh, uh, drunk on ice, ice and sports and metal, and Jason in the uh, final four. So it's it's good representation for our brand. But let's talk Christmas. First thing I have to say, first thing I have to ask, and this is a question for Oscar because yeah. he 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 minored in film. He minored in film. Ooh. He minored in film at uh at Juilliard, I believe. Juilliard. No, no, no. Um, I'm sorry. Ask her, ask her fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. What was it? What was the school in in New York? What was it really MIU? In MIU, that's right. MIU. It was it was online and it was sister, it was a sister school. It was located in South Camden, but that's okay. Um is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah, it is. It's taking part during Christmas. The whole thing happens because of a Christmas party. Right. You want to elaborate? Elaborate? That's That means it's a Christmas <laughs> movie. It takes place on Christmas Eve. It's freaking snowing. There's so many Christmas references in that movie. It, the whole movie takes place during a what? A Christmas party, right? I was just asking because I know a lot of people think Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And you have the film backing. You probably dissected this film at least two, three hundred times because it's always on. So I just want to know what your opinion was, Oscar. In my opinion, before we get to Don's, I do believe it is a Christmas movie because any movie shot during Christmas time or has a Christmas tree in it is technically a Christmas movie. It doesn't have to be implied that it's Christmas or that it has to be solely based around Christmas. But a movie set in Christmas time is a Christmas movie. That's pretty much pretty much the logic. Don, what do you think? Are you going to say no? I think I, you, you look like uh, you look like. You're you're you look a little um, I, I, I don't know if this has happened a whole lot, but I'm on the other side of that fence. That to me is 
the it although it takes place like the the events and the setting are set around Christmas, right? It doesn't necessarily give me any of the feels of a Christmas movie, which is normally what you would be looking for in a movie around this time of year. All right, but, but what 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 but, is what is the feel though? Like can you the, elaborate on that. What I would describe as the feels. Yeah. Uh I don't know. It, it, it's something that may, it's it's a it's a feeling in your heart that makes you feel good. <laughs> warm and fuzzy feeling. It, 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 it's it's that warm and fuzzy kind of like I don't know family coming together, somebody helping somebody. I know that that's a very a lot of guys. <laughs> it's it's a, that was. Probably the most vague explanation. <laughs> I was like, gotta but, help people, your, your family, bring everybody together. Just die hard. <laughs> um, during this season, I guess one of the things that I always see that really irks me is people just treating people that you don't know like shit, like in retail, whether it be at Target or at, you know, a restaurant or anywhere like that. And it's like, I don't know, like, if it's just because, like, everyone's stressed and all this crap, you know, but like, just like, just be nice to each other. Like, it's not that hard. Um, yeah. And like, it's just like, it's so annoying when like people, like I literally had, I went to Target and this lady in front of me was with her daughter um, paying for like a few things and like had like 15 coupons and the cashier was trying to scan the coupons, but half of them were so like wrinkled up that it just wasn't working. And the lady started screaming to the cashier like it was her fault that the coupons are wrinkly. And then she's like, I get paid $22 an hour. My time is precious. I got to go back home. And I was just like, holy fuck. Who cares? <laughs> like, holy I, have shit. A, like, I have a little perspective. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, dude. Like, you gave her, like, all these crumbled up coupons. She's going to struggle, of course. And, like, I'm just, like, back there, like, not even not even trying to look at her. I'm just like, I need to, like, get to – I need to self-check out to go faster. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was just awful. Help. 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 Don, what do you got? Listen, if there's ever a time to, you know, kind of, you know, look for the opportunities to be able to help someone out, whether that's, you know, a phone call, a text, reach out to somebody, um, or whether that's, you know, paying it forward. And, you know, there's been some, you know, some opportunities to, you know, if you're standing in line, maybe pay for the, you know, pay for the guy behind you, pay for the guy in front of you, whatever it is. You know, just look for those opportunities to be able to, you know, Give someone, you know, a, a better shot at their day. Be a good human. That is that is your motto, and it is a fantastic motto. Uh, let's see. My words of hope. Remember. I lost what I was going to say. <laughs> remember, remember. Remember. I need to remember. No, just remember that people are, are you know, the holidays aren't the same for everyone. Right. So, like Don and Oscar were saying, perspective. Just, you know, put things into, you know, perspective, as right. I just said. Like, yeah. people deal with things differently. Bad things happen to some people during the holidays, and, you know, not everybody's happy. But it also, Adam, exactly. Pay it forward. Oh, you paid it forward. Good job, bud. I like it. But just be considerate of others, you know? Yeah. You see the cashier struggling, having a bad day? You know, be nice. Don't be a dick. 
But then again, the opposite way. Don't be a dick to customers. Like we understand, you know, sometimes we have to put on our big boy pants and, and suck it up. But, you know, be considerate of others and just, you know, try to, as Don says, be a good human. Adam, Merry Christmas. Thank you all to our sponsors, Team Clicks and La Terrain. Um, we will be back to our normal schedule. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure where my availability is next week, but probably the following week we'll take a, a few days off for family and probably rejoin everybody after New Year's uh, from Oscar and Don and Nick and myself. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy, happy holiday. Holidays. And just be safe out there, guys. You're traveling, you know. Be safe, take your precautions, and good luck to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Feliz cumpleaños. Happy birthday.